Welcome to episode 217 of the Stuttering is Cool podcast. I'm your host, Daniela Rossi, also known as Danny, recording on Saturday, February the 3rd, 2018, on a very, very cold evening in Toronto, Canada. We're talking minus 13 degrees Celsius with the wind chill. I know it has been a while since my last episode, so Happy New Year! I hope you had a great start to 2018. Anywho, on this episode, I'll be moving a little bit away from the topic of stuttering and talking to two people who stutter, who work with deaf people. In the second half hour, we will find out the differences and similarities in the crazy stuff that we get from hearing and fluent people. And right now, in the first half hour, we will learn all about becoming an American Sign Language interpreter. My name is Chris Shirelli. Um, Right now, I'm currently in Vancouver. Well, I'm in the Vancouver area, Um, and I'm glad to be here. Right now? So it sounds like you travel a lot, or...? No, I just mean like right now within because this... I've 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 always been in on I've I've always been in on Ontario in the past, so this is my first time not being home. So I've in the grand scheme of things, it's it's new to be out here. But we moved to a new area of Vancouver uh, about six months ago. So oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is going to be a treat for the listeners because I don't know who oh. you are. So the listeners are going to, and me at the same time, get to know (laughs) Chris, who had to send me an email and said, hey, I would love to come on to your show and talk about, uh, I believe it was what you said, uh, stuttering and you're in a sign language interpreter. Yeah, well, I'm I'm not yet. I'm in school for it. Ah, Um, So I I just started last fall, uh, the fall of 2017. Um, I started at a college out here, and uh, it's a program where we are being trained to work in from English to sign language um, to and from. So uh, depending on who I, I'll be set up uh, to interpret for, um, it, it'll be either it'll be in uh, either English or American Sign Language, either one. Oh, do you get to choose which? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> No, that's one of the one of the one of the challenges I think I'll face um, when it, when I actually start to go out there and start mm-hmm. interpreting is that uh, there's a lot of unknowns um, and that can be a bit of a challenge in terms of being as fluent as you want to be. Maybe it's um, a little bit if you're unsure of what you need to say or unsure of what uh, you'll be what or who you'll be in interpreting for um it definitely adds a new challenge to it so it's mm-hmm. one of the things that i'm um i'm interested in and excited to see what the challenge is so when you say fluency do you mean fluency when signing or fluency with uh, stuttering no speaking more so um i don't actually i'm i i sign perfectly fluently um i don't have any problems signing uh, it's one of the things that kind of drew me into it Um, I took American Sign Language when I was in my second year of university Mm. as a course that was typically one of the more easier, like easier fun courses to take. Mm. Um, And when I took it and sort of went through the semester, I noticed that I could sign fluently and say everything that I could um, or everything that I wanted to without having to add on the extra thought of trying to speak as as flu- fluently as I can. So it was one of the things that kind of drew, drew me into it um, in a sort of accidental way. I didn't plan on it. And so I took that first course and then I took it for another three years after that. Uh, I was supposed to, I was supposed to minor in it, but I completed my four year degree in three and a half. So I didn't quite get my full minor in it, and then when I moved out to Vancouver, I wanted to con- I wanted to con- I wanted to continue my my skills and con- and try and l- learn more. And because uh, it's one of the things where if you don't sign for quite some time, you tend to forget it. Mm. 
Um, so I wanted to make sure that I found either a course or a club out here that I could take to kind of keep up my skills. Oh, wow. I didn't And think of clubs. Yeah. yeah, so there are clubs in quite a few schools that don't have formal classes. Uh, but I actually, I found a 10-month course out here that is pretty intensive. So I took that. And then once I was done that, it kind of moved me into the interpreting program that I'm in right now. It's, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a pre-course for it. It's not one that you have to take, but it's one that they like kind of heavily, uh, heavily hang on for having people come into the interpreting program that, I, that I'm in right now. Oh wow! So it sounds like it's uh, it's a passion uh, Yeah, for sure it is. Yeah, of yours. Uh, that's always for sure. um, there's always great things that um, happen when people just follow their passions. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting to think because as of probably a year and a half ago, when I was sort of halfway through the pro the program I was in before the one I'm in right now, uh, I had no thought of working as an in working in the field of interpreting it wasn't something that was really something that i was thinking about and as i went through the program um i got lots of encouragement you can say uh to go into the in interpreting program as a male there um there's not a lot of men working in the field so they need as many men as they can Because uh, it's a highly, like, uh, I think, I don't know what the actual amount is, but, like, right now, my class of, I think we're 13 or 14, I'm the only one in there. Um, there's, not a, there's not a ton of men in Yeah. the interpreting field. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen a male ASL interpreter. I've been Yeah, to they are. just a few, I mean, we'll say maybe three or four um, places uh, or meetings or, you know, whether it's a town hall at work or a conference where they had interpreters and they're always female. <laughs> Yeah, there's a big, um, yeah, there's a lot more females in the interpreting field for sure. So that was one of the things that, um, that was one of, I think that was why there was a big push for me to go into it. Um, plus, I, I, I feel like I have the skill to do it. Um, so I, I just hadn't ever really thought about it. It was one of the things where I thought that if I was ever called upon to speak for somebody and I pro I possibly couldn't say what they were wanting to say um, and what they can't actually say, so I'm speaking for them. I felt like if I ever got to a point where I was stuck um, and possibly couldn't say it the way that it's, it probably should be said, I feel like that was... unfair for the person that I'm going to be interpreting for. So that was kind of an internal, um, internal conflict that I had with myself. Um, so I had actually, I had the chance to talk to the program coordinator and kind of asked her if I would be okay working in that field or not. And she said, to be honest with you, I have no clue. I have never worked with someone like you before um so it was uh it's been a sort of a new process for everyone so far um so far it's been going pretty well um and i think there's going to be some pretty unique challenges coming up Mm but hmm i such thought jazz such as uh well we have so next weekend we have our first chance to do some actual interpreting Uh, what that means is it's actually like on the spot sort of thing. Uh, all the training that we've had before now has we've had to translate stuff, which isn't the same as interpreting, um, where you have time to sort of formulate what you want to say. You have time to change it, re-record it if you want to. And uh, it's just not as high stress of a thing as it is when it's actually on the spot. So we'll see how it goes. This is sort of my big test coming up for me. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I'm pretty confident that 
I'll be, I'll get through it. Mm -hmm. Um, it might not be where I want it to be, but then it gives me something to kind of try and improve on. So, so you said it's more like translating. So is interpreting, um, when you, when you're doing, so you're graduated, you're in the professional field now, does that mean that when you're, um, doing your interpretation, if someone says, I went to the store, you're not actually translating into a new language, which is sign language. I went to the store. You're probably giving the overall like is that yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's 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 an interesting it's it's always fun to kind of talk with someone about the interpreting pro, interpreting pro, interpreting pro, pro, interpreting process because it's fairly unknown to most people so it's kind of interesting to sort of tell to tell someone who's not sure about what it's supposed to be um, what it what it is. So basically, when you're interpreting, you're taking one source and you're putting it into something else. Mm. And um, when you look at sign sign language interpreting, it's one of the few out there that is simultaneous almost. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it's hearing or seeing what someone is saying or signing. And taking it in, and then changing it to fit the output. Ah, yes. So you're you're doing that. Meanwhile, you're still trying to hear or see what's still coming in. Whereas if you were to like compare it to someone who was going English to uh, English to Chinese or something like that, if you're doing that kind of stuff, it's typically you hear what's being said in. Cantonese or whatever and then you're hearing it and then you have time to, to sort of change it and then speak it in the output which is let's uh-huh. just say uh, English mm-hmm. so typically you're not speaking over the person who's talking because it's uh-huh. because then you couldn't hear what they're saying but right. it's pretty unique when you can um, you can hear and then you can also do the output at the same time or see and then speak the the output put at the same time because you're not going to interrupt That's right. the, the speaker or the signer. So it's, it's, uh, it's one of the um, heavier cognitive challenges that you'll have to do in any sort of, 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 any sort of a, a, a field, I think it's one of um It's a, it's a unique, uh, cognitive, cognitive challenge. I think so. is that why um, I always see two ASL interpreters at a conference. They yeah. seem to take breaks. Like it's probably yeah. so much that so much yeah, brain so power. The, exactly. Typically, um, I mean, here typically the process looks like you work probably about uh, in about 20, 25 minute shifts. So you're switching yeah. off quite a bit, but you, at the same time, you have someone there to interpret with, um, to kind of support you if you miss anything. Oh, um, wow. so they're also someone that you can kind of lean to, to ask for help if you need it. So. Man, it sounds a lot like stuttering when you're really trying you know, yeah. control everything, you know, as you're speaking exactly. and, you know, pay yeah. attention to eye contact and your secondaries exactly. and this and this. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's one of the things that is um, challenging for me. And one of the things that I'm trying to be uh, trying, or I'm, I'm interested to see how it, how it actually plays out because we do that every time we speak, but um, I'm basically trying to do that twice. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a heavy, heavy task to ask for my brain to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's what, it's just, it'll be an interesting, it'll, yeah. I, the problem for me right now is I haven't had much of a chance to really try it out. So I, I, I've, I think it'll, I think it'll be okay, but I will <laughs> see. <laughs> Um, would you like to share what it was like for you growing up stuttering? Me growing up stuttering looked, uh, it was, it's, it's interesting because when I look at my childhood and my like teenage times, it wasn't, 
something that I don't think I was very aware of it. I knew that I had it. Um, I had a few challenges in terms of just socially and that kind of normal, typical stories that you hear. Um, I had a really, really great supportive uh, friends and family. So I didn't ever feel like I was um, held to like hang out on my own or I couldn't go out and be with my friends or anything like that. I, I always felt that I could be who I wanted to be. Uh, the big, the biggest change for me sort of um, came around my university days, and that was sort of my becoming. Uh, I I had a feeling that I was starting to hold. Um, what I'm trying to say, I was starting to be my own, my own, uh, uh, my own obstacle. And I felt that I was in my own way kind of thing. So hmm. that that came about in my first year, my second year or so. And then I it was it's interesting because it's one of the few times that I can kind of point to an actual time frame where I changed the way I was thinking and focused more on uh, making sure I was saying what I wanted to say and not so much on how hmm. I was saying it. And I saw a change in the way that I approached, like school, uh, people, teachers, mm -hmm. everybody, and understood that most of the time people are hearing what you are saying and not so much how you're saying it. Um, and that was a big, cha big change for me. That was one of the more, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but it was one of the things where I just it, it was a it was a big it was a big change for me and sort of from that point on my thinking about how I speak changed because uh, I started to not care I, I still cared but it wasn't my main thought of how I'm saying it but it was more about what I was saying and so that was a big thing for me and then towards the end of my degree in my fourth year I got the chance to kind of speak in front speak to a few classes um, it was for a communication communication class that I took um, in my third year and it was taught by a speech language pathologist mm -hmm. and so I had gotten pretty close with her and then she um, basically asked me if I could speak to the class for the I think she taught one or two classes on speech language speech language speech language pathology and um, uh, all the things that kind of come into play if you want to go into that field so I did that and then once I moved out to Vancouver here I've spoken twice now to the UBC speech language pathology class um, for the past two years I think it's usually in February so I might be speaking to them again depending on if I can fit it into my schedule <laughs> I'm not sure um, but uh, if I can it's something that I like to do um, it's one of the things that um, I'm a lot more comfortable speaking to it now than I have been in the past so that's a big big change for, for me for sure that happened in the grand scheme of things over like a year and a half but it was a pretty big change so it's it's something that i can pick out in the time time frame of my 26 years so nice do you know um, what um caused that or what was the trigger i'm not sure that's the right word to use yeah no that shift trigger is the right word i think it's one of the things or what where created I, or caused the yeah uh, what caused that sort of then, change in mentality yeah. yeah um I don't know that I can speak to one specific thing. I think I just, there was a time when I felt that I had a ton to say and I, and I started to see, and like, it sounds kind of braggy, but I, I started to think that I was a smart, like I was, <laughs> I, I, I had smart things to say. Mm -hmm. And by me not saying it, I felt like people didn't know that I had these things to say. So I felt like it wasn't fair, not like it to me, it's not fair to me, but it's also not fair to everyone else 
um, if I have something to say for them to not hear what I have yeah. to say. Because you could so, be comforting a friend. And, exactly. You know, and yeah. those words of wisdom, right, you want to say, for yeah. example. So, yeah. Exactly. You were exactly. saying? So, yeah, I was, it, and that was the thing. So, like, in my second year or third year, um, I just started to, I started to feel like I could, I could have a ton of positive input to what was being taught or what was being talked in class. And I felt that I wanted to be a part of it uh, for me and for the class as well. So, I, and that was like, I, I don't think it was like a one time it was just like, boom. And then I felt okay, but it was a pretty yeah. quick change in the grand scheme of things. So it, it yeah, it was me starting to know more about who I am and um, at the same time having a good um, having a good understanding of school and um, feeling that I wanted to do more in school and have more of an have a, uh, more of an input in school in school are you involved in the uh, stirring community that's uh, out west in British Columbia? I am not. Um, it's oh, one of the okay. things that I one of the things <laughs> I actually haven't ever been in. Um, even in on even when I was in Ontario, I wasn't in any real communities. I didn't really have any friends who were in the community community um i didn't really know anyone that had a start that had a starter so it was uh i i sort of i think why that is is because i've never felt alone mm. in being like without friends or without family um i've always had the support that i felt that i needed and in terms of, yeah, I just, and I, I mean, there's not, I don't have anything, like, I'm, I'm not like we shouldn't be in them or anything like that. I, I think it's important yeah. for sure. Um, I've done a few of the, um, s few of the socials that have come up uh, on, uh, I think it's like Sundays yeah. are the ones that, like, that I think I have time for. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've never really been a part of any of the mm. gr groups or anything like that. I, I also didn't do much therapy as a kid either. Um, I know I did when I was younger, but once I started into like my preteens and I stopped, um, I felt like I wasn't really, it was, there was, there was two things that kind of, uh, made me choose to stop. One, I didn't feel like it was helping much. When I look at it now, I think it did. And I think I <laughs> used some of the things that, that I was taught. Mm -hmm. But at the time being uh, 13, 14, yeah. <laughs> you don't, uh, you don't uh, think, you, you don't want to do anything that you don't think is going to be helpful yeah. at that time. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want to spend time without my friends or without my family. It was because... Yeah. Typically, when I was in any sort of therapy, I was pulled out of class or I had to go on my breaks or and that it was the sucked. kind of thing where, yeah, yeah so it was just thing. it was the kind of thing. So I just didn't want to do it. And um, the positive thing for me is that I didn't have any, like I said, I, I my friends, I hung out with them all the time. They were in, incredibly supportive. Um, so I didn't ever feel like I wanted mm -hmm. to spend time without them. It was the kind of thing where I was okay. I was comfortable. I was to a point where I could talk with them and I didn't feel like I couldn't talk to them. So I just stopped that <laughs> and, uh, and haven't gone back since I haven't done any more therapy. Haven't been a star of the, haven't been a part of any of the groups or communities anywhere mm -hmm. um and it's not that i don't want to be it's more of the fact that i just i'm okay right now um yeah. whether yeah, or not whether or not 
I'm gonna wait till it's too late kind of thing is on me. But uh, for the most <laughs> part, late. right now, I feel like I I have I I had everything that I need in terms of support from yeah. friends, family, my my uh, my my partner as well. So it's all been it, it's all been good for me in terms of socially feeling okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So what brings you, and this isn't a challenge, what brings you to Stutter Social? <laughs> Stutter Social for me, um, I've only been in three or four of them so far. Mm-hmm. It was a way for me to, it was kind of a two-tiered thing again. It was one, it was a way to just meet people who kind of have, who can have a, a shared thought 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 process on how to kind of handle everything and it was also a chance for me to practice speaking with people Mm, and being speaking with people who are comfortable hearing me get stuck um (laughs) so it's one, one of the things where it's kind of a um, it's a supportive area where you can go and speak freely and not have to be too concerned about about thinking what the other person is is seeing and hearing from you. Yeah. Do you ever get that when you're doing the 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 ASL interpreting? Um, if the other person is thinking, uh, or or I guess I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, if they're judging your interpretation of what they're saying or anything like yeah. that, does that even like exist? You, I, it does. Um, it does probably every time you try and interpret anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, yeah. you're always. It's it's an interesting thing because you have both the sources, so you have English and you have sign, and you can kind of. In your head, everything you're saying is the perfect way to say it, but maybe to someone else who can't hear it or can't see it or can't uh, um, can't comprehend what's being signed, uh, what you're saying might not make sense. So in mm-hmm. that, so you're definitely being, um, you're definitely having someone see what you're saying or hear what you're saying critically. Um, so that happens every time you interpret. And I think that's, again, I've chosen to go into something where mm-hmm. I, that's, that's something that I know and something that I have to handle every time I speak. So it, it's, um, I'm kind of just trying to do something that I know about, and that's a good challenge to kind of handle and then trying to add something else on to that, which is basically the same thing. So it's two times the um, two times the challenge, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you have any uh, piece of advice for any members of listening audience if they want to get into ASL interpreting? Uh, if they want to get into ASL interpreting, I would suggest that you first look into your passion for language. I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that got me into it. Um, American Sign Language, it's not an easy thing to learn. It's a very challenging language. It is an entirely new, it would be the same as if you were trying to learn French or Chinese or anything like that. It is a very challenging thing to do. Um, there, if you're passionate and you want to put in the time, then definitely do it. The deaf community is one of the most supportive groups of people out there. Um, they are an incredibly, they've ha- they've faced so many challenges. They are incredibly oh, 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 oppressed and they have to handle that every day. So it's, I am excited to be working with them because I feel like I'm not, I don't feel like I am in any way oppressed, but I I, I know that I am an extremely privileged 
person. Um, I am. Uh, I have had everything that I needed. I can have, mm. but at the same time, we understand what it is to be sort of uh, to not not always fit in the way that everyone else fits mm-hmm. in because of because of because of a thing that's not in our control. Yeah. Um, so in that, like, I feel I feel a sense of connection with them in that. Um, I'm in no way trying to say that I face anything that they have. It's been, that's a whole new thing. That's a whole thing that I will never fully know. But on the, on the very, very light, light, light surface, I sort of understand what it's like to have something that you can't always control. And, um, it's definitely, so that, that's one of the things that I, if you have the right mindset for that and you sort of understand that and you want to be a supportive person for them and for, for everybody, um, I, I, it, it would be a good fit, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's, there's the biggest problem is there's not much training here in Canada. There's only, I think five schools that have an interpreting program so it's a very unique program here um so in that way i feel like i every time that i feel like maybe i shouldn't be in this program when i think to how small the programs are it's it's a way to kind of um help me feel like i actually shouldn't be here and i can do it Um, um so i i that's all that, that that I can say. It's one of the things where if you put in the time and put in the work, I think anyone can succeed in it if you have the right kind of mm-hmm. mind, mindset for it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought to myself, how come they don't teach ASL in schools, in elementary schools, things like that? Because yeah. you never know. Yeah. You could be walking on the street one day and someone collapses and... You know, you yep. go to help them, but you know they, you know they are exactly, they are, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's it's one of the things. Them. It's one of the things that definitely in Canada we're a bit behind the times on. Mm. Um, in other places, I would say the U.S. is farther ahead, but that's just based on pure pop, pop pure population. They have more people oh, yeah. Yeah. than us. But there are places around the world where they teach it to children, and oh, wow. um, it's a part of the culture. Um, children pick it up sooner than they pick, than they pick up spoken. So it's um, yeah. It, I would encourage people if they want to, they should, and. Um, Anytime you can talk, or you can talk to someone who uses uh, uses uses American sign language or LSQ, which is the Quebec one. Mm. Um, it's just so helpful because it's hard for them to commu- communicate with anyone throughout their day. So. Any any chance you you can, I would take a course, even if it's just an an, uh, an intro course. It's uh, it's definitely helpful. That was Chris Chirelli, student ASL interpreter from Vancouver on Canada's west coast, and with me now on. The United States West Coast in California is my friend Heather Najman. Did I say that correctly? I hope you I did, did, Danny. Hello. Uh, that is correct. Who is a not finished yet? Who is a clinician who provides psychotherapy to deaf and hearing children, parents, families, couples, etc. Um, Heather is also a Stutter Social host. Just a side note, if you're not familiar with Stutter Social, it's a four-time weekly online group video chat for people who stutter all around the world. Details at stuttersocial.com. Full disclosure, I'm one of the co-founders. Stutter Social is also free to use. So yeah, you have every reason to give it, to give it a try. 
Anywho, back to the show. Welcome to Stuttering is Cool, Heather. Thank you, Danny. It is fun to be on. We've been we've been talking about this for a while, so I I am really g- g- glad to be here. Thanks. Yay. First question. The uh, reason I brought you on was, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious because you have a lot of experience with the signing. And, um, well, tell us about your job with, with um, yeah, tell us about your job. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I've worked in the field of deafness on and off for, gosh, over over 20 years. Um, originally, I had started working in mental health in Chicago and um, worked uh, both in a day program and in a community-based program, which means we would go out and see people in their homes or we'd meet people at McDonald's or in their workplace. Um, and then I also did some fr- freelance in t- 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 interpreting for a few years and then worked with people who were late deafened and hard of hearing, which is a different, um, not only a different group of people, but different needs, different challenges, different experiences. Because people who lose their hearing later in life um, don't usually grow up knowing sign language. And so um, they, they, for those who choose to learn, um, it's a different, different process. So I've worked with people who were um, what we call big D deaf, culturally deaf, little D deaf, um, those who, who become deaf later, late deaf and hard, hard, hard of hearing. Um, then I moved from Chicago out to California and uh, worked with people with um, various disabilities, with physical, emotional, mental, uh, when I was working for vocational rehabilitation. But then I left that a few years ago, went back to school again, and um, now I'm working on my licensure as a M. FT marriage and family therapist and as a what they call it LPC licensed professional counselor so providing therapy to both hearing individuals couples and families at one center but this this job which I just took last last summer is on a deaf team and um, half of us are hearing half of us are deaf and we go out into people's homes here in Los Angeles and um, provide some psychotherapy to um, families and individuals where there is a deaf um, person. Sometimes it's a child. Sometimes it's a deaf parent who has hearing kids. Sometimes it's a deaf brother or sister, a sibling. Um, and sometimes it's just, just one-on-one. So it's couples, individuals, families. And it's been a great experience kind of bringing my old life into my, my, my new therapy career. Wow. During my chat with Chris, and this was kind of part of the reason why I wanted to bring you on to the show, the the other one it will be the following question, the next question, the, the follow-up. So one, so now he mentioned, uh, now you've listened to, um, i let you hear our uh, interview. So he mentioned experiencing cognitive overload when he signs. I don't know why I chuckled at that. I guess because like I'm laughing with him going, yeah, I can imagine how you're thinking and signing and all that stuff, like five different languages going on in your brain. Do you experience the same thing? Because you're working with hearing people, like in some, and sometimes it's in groups, right? Hearing and deaf and, or yeah. I do, although it's changed through the years. When I first started to learn sign, I was very, very fluent. It's like I was trying to find the sign and um, and and I found that my um, stuttering was ma, 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 much, much less. And, it, you know, it's funny. People think that I went into deafness because of my of my my stuttering. And that was not not the not the case at all. Um, but 
um, as I started to learn sign better and as I started to sign more, um, just like any, any foreign language, as you start to think in that, in that second language, for me then, um, some of my stuttering, um, I don't want to say came back, but I could be signing and if I was voicing, then I could stutter at the same, same t t time. Now, if I'm signing in ASL, American Sign Language, I'm usually turning off my voice because ASL has a different word order. And so it's, if I'm voicing, then it becomes more, more English. Um, Chris had mentioned in his, his talk that sort of like um, being conscious of being the deaf person's voice. And I found that um, was something that I thought a lot about when I was freelancing. Um, I would be very careful about the types of jobs that I would take, um, where the the voicing is still important because I I was that 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 person's voice. But I was careful in terms of I tended to work better in s s small smaller settings. I was um, freelancing at an agency or a doctor's office or things like that, as opposed to a, a stage or a big uh, board meeting. Um, I felt that um, how my my starting was at that point in time years back that it wouldn't be I don't want to say it wouldn't be fair, but it wouldn't. I was concerned that I wouldn't give the good voicing that I wanted to. So, so I, so I, I chose carefully what I felt that I could do and do well. Um, the other pieces that I will tend to, just like I, I advertise with hearing people, I also advertise with deaf people. Um, because what I say is, is look, I have a voice that is different and I and I spell stutter I'm I'm waiting to see from Greg Greg Snyder what his sign is for stutter um, yeah, I have I asked various ask. I ask. yeah is I don't know well Greg says yes they have um, I haven't I seen it, it <laughs> I have I have asked various various difference um, how I sign it now is I sort of like make my mouth kind of go and it's like speaking kind of off yeah. um, and then and then I then I spell it and and if the person's got a got a good grasp of English they'll go oh okay if they don't know, go what what is that? Then I'll say, well, my my voice stops and starts, and sometimes you might see my lips move sideways or my my eyes close. So I don't talk like other other hearing people. And I go, oh okay. So and then we move on. But it's um, I always kind of joked that lip reading me can be really hard. So. <laughs> I, I wanted to let them know because otherwise they would be looking at me with kind of that, what I call this gooby-doo look, which is like, mm, what's going on? You know, which, which actually reminds me. We're all familiar when, with that look. Yes, <laughs> that look. exactly. We know that look of, huh, what's going on? Deaf people get the look too. When, I, when I've talked with, 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 with deaf friends about the experience of stuttering, and I mentioned the look, which there there is a sign for. They're like, oh, you get that, get that, get that too. So that is something both both of our our world share because they get that look from people from from hearing people all the time. Well, speaking of the similarities between the stuttering and the deaf commu communities, I'm assuming are there other ones too. I think there are. Um, I was I was reminded of um, a T-shirt I have. I have a drawer of various various stuttering shirts, as as I think many of us do, and I think it was the International Stuttering Association ISA shirt. Was it last year or two years ago that had the stuttering ribbon on it, and it said "Stuttering Pride." Um, and I was reminded of deaf, 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 deaf 
pride, which is something that has been um, talked about a lot in the 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 deaf world, and and I realized, Danny, as I'm as I'm talking about this, that um, that I forgot to say say something, and and that is I am not speaking for deaf people because I'm hearing and I have grown up hearing and um, I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who's had experience and worked in the community, um, not just working, but also deaf friends and studies and all, you know, learning over the last 20 some, 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 some years. So um, I consider myself a, um, a, 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 ally to the deaf community by which I mean that I, I support them. And so, um, it's, it's because I think that we do share some of the same, same experiences such as dealing with hearing people's the look when something's not, um, uh, moving smoothly. So, so as I talk about this, I'm not speaking for people. I'm speaking based on my knowledge and experiences and things like that. Um, so some of the things that I think are similar is one of them is how do we identify? And, you know, in the, in the stuttering um, worlds, and I'll say worlds, that, um, you know, some people call themselves stutterers. Um, some people call themselves people who stutter, and um, I I've done both. Um, when I started, it was a real important part of my acceptance journey to take that stutterer role on, and I did that for years because um, for years there was so much shame, and I didn't want to you know admit it. Mm-hmm. But but then one day in a meeting, and I think it was at the National Council on Stutter years ago, um, someone said. I'm many errors. I'm a, I'm a daughter. I'm a worker. I'm a lover. I'm a, you know, and, and I went, that's it. I'm many errors. It's, it's stuttering is a part of me. It's not the whole of me. Well, I think in, in the deaf world, same thing. There's a, there's a very well-known quote by, um, by one of the past presidents of Gallaudet, which is the, um, was the world's first um, deaf, deaf university out in Washington D.C., and was was by a a late and deaf and faculty member who 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 became uh, head of it, um, named I King, King Jordan. And back in I think it was 1988, they had the deaf president now protest. Wanting a um, deaf person to head up the school, and um, he had a quote that I really like. He said, "Deaf people can do anything hearing people do, except here." And I think that within the the stuttering worlds, we are seeing that same type of energy, that same realization that we have just as much to give, whether it's in our workplace, our families, uh, Toastmasters, um, anything that sometimes we may need a little bit more time. We need some patience. We need to be able to find our voice and we need time to be able to speak it. And I think deaf people have gone through that same type of type of experience. Um, plus, plus also just as we have struggled with, I think, with what to call our, 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 our ourselves, um, there are, you know, language that has, that has changed, um, back way back when there was things like, oh, deaf and mute. We don't use that term anymore. Um, hearing impaired, we don't use that, that term. And so, you know, people ask, well, what do I say? Deaf person? you know, and, and, um, um, some people do call them themselves late deafened. Some people call themselves hard of hearing, but just as stuttering isn't based on the number of stuttered syllables. I mean, we have 
people who are more on the overt side and stutter outwardly. We have people who are more covert, where you wouldn't necessarily know. Hearing loss is you don't judge if someone's deaf based on what their audiogram looks like. Um, they may they may have some hearing um, enough that they can use the some hearing that they have coupled with lip reading, which is a very inexact science. Only about thirty percent can be lip read. It's like wheel of fortune. You you get a letter here and a letter there, and you fill in the fill in the rest. But um, it's it's based on how does that person identify? Do they um, have deaf friends? Did they learn sign? Did they go to a deaf school? Um, so just as ours isn't based on what our speech sounds like. You can't say, oh, that person's deaf or not appearing because they may feel deaf and identify with the deaf culture, but have, you know, some hearing or more hearing. So it's really based on um, self, self choice, I guess I would say. The other, the other thing, um, there are other things that, that I was thinking about, um, that, um, you know, what do you do when you meet a person, you know? Um, and, I, and of course, I think we always get that in terms of what do we do? We need to listen. We need to be patient. Um, something I find he hearing people do sometimes is they will start mouthing really big and talking really loud and thinking that they can get that. And um, that doesn't help because if you're talking really big and exaggerating your mouth, that doesn't give lip reading cues. And like I said, only 30% can be lip read. So things that actually help that is not to talk with your hands in front of your mouth, not to uh, eat while you're talking, um, you know, not to have like a pencil in your mouth or a pen that you're chewing on. Um, make sure you have the person's eyes. Um, and especially in school, make sure uh -huh. that you can eye contact, right? Which is, which is really tough for us. I've had to really, really, really work on it because my, my part of my stuttering secondaries is I drop my chin and I shut my eyes. So I have to really work to keep eye contact um, and not to turn away. Um, teachers a lot do this. They will turn and write on the board. Well, if they do that, then they've lost lost the face or if you're in a work meeting and somebody turns to point then you've lost the face so things like that or um your phone rings and you go down the and you go phone. down to get it <laughs> and it's like you've lost the face new. yeah 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 um well you know sign uh, speaking of that um when i when he, i he, i started in the field there were not cell phones so, um, and, and so a lot of the signs that I learned in Chicago are different here. So just as there are regional differences and dialects, signs are different. So um, I had seen a person sign the word for phone, but I didn't know it. And I'm like, what's that word? And they're like, oh, phone or tap, 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 tablet, which I kind of got from the miming of the screen swiping. But there was all kinds of cell phone er, tech tech words that didn't exist back when I was signing eighteen years ago. So laughing uh, is because I've always uh, had my own sign, personal sign, for like you know the way people the, from the BlackBerry. I've never had a BlackBerry, but everyone would always when Blackberries were all the rage. Uh huh. See with the two thumbs and the thumbs, thumbs, thumbs so. point. Well, that that's the that's the sign for t texting. Oh, there we go. So you know, you know, <laughs> some sign, some signs are very, very gesture based, and hearing people can kind of figure it out. But it's not um, all sign isn't isn't gestural like that. Um, <coughs> pardon me. And uh, um. Also, too, there is not one English word for one sign. Sometimes it might take um, three or four signs to explain one 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 English word, oh, or wow. vice versa. You can have one sign, 
but it might take you three or four or five words, English words, to convey the meaning because so much is conveyed through, um, just like we have a tone of voice or a volume or expression, there'll be facial expressions or the size of your gesture. So a lot of times people <coughs> will um, start to like wave their hands or get big. Um, oh, speaking of which, um, if you're talking with a person that signs, don't go up and just start waving your hands randomly in their face. It's Do kind of like walking up. Yes, people, ignorant people, but people do that, which would be kind of like going up to and going, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. But people are trying to be funny or they think that uh, they've seen something. And so they just start waving their hands and it's rude. It's kind of rude. So if um, you're walking up to a deaf person, like do you tap on their shoulder or like do you walk in, like do you try to walk in front and make that eye contact or? So get, get the eyes, eyes first. Um, um, if you're walking up behind or the side, yes, touch is very, very common to touch the shoulder or the arm. Um, but to get their eyes first and, and, you know, when in doubt, ask them because they may, they, they may want to write back and forth or they may want to text on their, on their phone back and forth. Um, I was at a, at a uh, work retreat recently and we had our, our, our team mingling with a, a different team in our, our branch and they were all hearing well about half of our team whipped out their phones and pulled up an app and concardzilla, I think it was which makes the text big. So they would, they would type their answers and stuff. And just, and because it was large print, it was simple to see. And they would just text and the answer. Yeah. And it's like, it worked great, you know? So, and you know, Siri can, can help um, in terms of, of, you know, speaking things in and going, (laughs) going back and forth. Stutter. Well, you know, some of us, Siri works pretty well. Sometimes Siri gets a little funky, but, true, um, true, true. you know. Yeah, yeah, we have issues with the whole autocorrect thing when we're texting. <laughs> mm-hmm. True, true. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and one of the other things, too, is that um, I think it was, yeah, it was Nina G that had a, had a video a few years back that I will just translate as stuff fluent people say. And I had shared that with a deaf, 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 deaf friend of mine, and she just cracked up. She thought that was so funny, and she had she had texted back saying, "You know, her friends have a similar type of saying. They call it SHP or CHP." And I'm like, "SHP, CHP," and she said, huh, "Stupid hearing people." Or Lulus hearing people and I'm like oh yeah you know so it's it's people that you know and again usually mean well but they you know open mouth it 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 insert foot so um they get it when we 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 like roll our eyes when the of course well what do we get probably the most oh did you forget your name you know all those kinds of things that they get that get that 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 too so there's there's a lot more uh uh understanding than i think we realize i think you know and i see this on some of the some of the facebook groups because so many of us grew up not meeting other people that that stuttered, we felt so isolated and lonely and, and thinking that it's just us. And I'm here to say it's not. It's not just us. Other people that have a communication, I'm going to say difference, experience the same feelings, the same frustrations, the same quandaries, the same being, being mis understood by the hearing world as we do so we're not the only ones as as the essay tagline says you are not not 
alone. So I had to had to had to throw that in because the because the uh, the NSA has been a really big part of my life for many years, yeah. and I'm a, I I'm one of the one of the ch- 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 chapter leaders now. But when I when I began when I was a youngin. Um, it really made a difference for me because I knew there were other people out there, but I never met anyone else until I was like 18. And then I went, oh, there's other people that get this. And that, that, that for me was the start of my, my journey. So, and then, oh, sorry. No, I just wanted to mention NSA National Stuttering Stuttering. Association, not the other NSA that listens. Right, right. (laughs) We don't, we don't speak about those things. Yeah. And. And they, and they uh, they uh, don't. <laughs> What's that tagline? Um, oh, I forgot it. It's something about uh, they gather. No, they listen, but they don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> the NSA, or was that the CIA? Ah, it's okay. So it's neither yeah. here nor there. Yeah. You were saying? <laughs> I totally cut you off. Oh, that's okay. Um, no, I think I was just saying that there's just as um, many of us have found that connection and community, whether it's through stutter social, whether it's through self-help support groups, whether it's through coming to the national conference, which I have to plug is in Chicago, that's my right. hometown. I talked about it. My year, hometown. Yeah. It's this in the Chicago. First episode of the year, but yeah, it's in Chicago uh, this year. Yeah. Yay! So much. There is so much to do and see in Chicago. Whether it's blues, music, the lake, the museums, the restaurants. There's so much to do. I should go for the full week or just an extra day. And I'm like, hmm. Lots to do. Lots to do. Yeah. So, so whether it's whether it's local group, whether it's national conferences, whether it's International Stuttering Association in Japan. Uh, you know, the week after in Iceland next year, in Canada, the CSA and ABC, right? I was going to say ABC because I don't speak French, only Uh, like petite. They say, (laughs) thank you. Sorry, sorry. Um, You know, there's, there, there are so many ways to reach out and I, and um, in the deaf world, there are lots of lots of groups, um, whether it's Association of Late Deaf and Adults, whether it's Hearing Loss Association of America, um, National Association of the Deaf. So there are there are lots of lots of resources, lots of of so, so, support so that people don't have to struggle by them them the, the, themselves yeah. that was a long word they don't <laughs> have to struggle by themselves i was also told uh by greg you mentioned greg snyder who was on the show before um he was a professor at what's it called galladay galladay <laughs> galladay Sorry, yeah, living in Canada, everything is French. Or it's Makes Italian. Sense. My nationality is Italian. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, he said that the deaf community long before, long, long before Google Hangouts, YouTube, whatever, they were doing group video chats, even on their phones. I believe he was saying that that they really, um, I, I believe he mentioned something like, they really helped develop the technology because they were the ones using it back in the nineteen nineties too. So, I think it, I think it was um, Vince Cerf who uh, was one of the early guys with the with the internet guys, one of the the early scientists that helped to work with that was wow. Death himself. Um, so yes, um, and and the first pagers. I mean, I am dating myself here. That's right. Page back and forth, and then yeah. text, and and you know, gone are the days of the old TTYs or tele 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 typewriters. Now there's FaceTime, and it's so fabulous because I can I can pick up the phone phone a friend and we can sign back and forth, and it's you don't have to pull out a bulky. Thing. It's quick. There are there are lots of apps. There is g- 
Glide, there's Marco Polo. There are, are lots of, lots of, um, digital based apps you can, you can leave a voicemail with, um, kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's just tons out there. It's really a great time. Well, we could go on for hours talking about this. Thank you for coming on my show and talking about this fascinating, uh, our, what would we call them? Our brothers and sisters? <laughs> yeah. Um, companions, perhaps. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much. It has been, 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 been fun. That's it for today's show. <laughs> I want to hear from you. <laughs> Coolstutter at gmail.com. We all have smartphones now with those voice memo apps. You just record, say what, three minutes? Is Heather, do you think it's wrong for me to put in a time limit for people that stutter? <laughs> oh, that's a toughy time I pressure. Know, I know. You know what? Three, five minutes. Five minutes. But five minutes. content is king. So if you have really good stuff to say, seven minutes is fine. Um, just don't ramble. Uh, <laughs> or if you want to ramble, feel uh, feel free. You can always have a guest host. So <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by the Stuttering is Cool book. Yes, I actually wrote a book once. Um, Great book. Why, thank you. Tips and tricks and of how to go from covert to overconfident stutterer. Living your life the way that you want to. And it has comics because... You know, life's too short not to have a sense of humor. It's okay to laugh at your own stuttering. So that's all I'm saying. Hair, hair. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, details on that and some awareness pins that I recently started to create. Uh, stutteringiscool.com. Thank you. And Heather is now giving what I recognize as the deaf sign for clapping. Yes, deaf um, sure applause. Um, hands up in the air and shaking them, waving them back and yeah. forth. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> well, until next time, may your stuttering always be with confidence. And uh, yeah, don't walk up to a deaf person and start waving your hands because, you know, you wouldn't want someone finishing your sentences for you. So, <laughs> exactly. Bye. <laughs>